The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Sometimes something so small can bring us a sense of comfort. Sometimes magic can be found in something unexpected. Tui Huynh felt that exact magic when she found a heart-shaped rock while running on the beach. She talks with me about how she's using that rock and the hundreds she found after it to display people's acts of kindness. First of all, I would love it if you would tell us about you before the Heart Rock Project, before you kind of fell into this kindness mission. Okay. Well, that's going to be easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so basically what happened was I, I came from the corporate world and um, for many years I work in the uh, architecture, engineering and construction management industry. And I basically did marketing. And for most of my career, I was always on the road. And the last two years prior to relocating down here, I actually was on the road 50% of the time of the year for two years. And it took me basically to San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. So those were my regular path and dimensions. Yeah, I did. And basically that was my path for two years. I would just visit each of those cities two years, uh, two weeks home, two weeks on the road. And I got to the point where I completely burnt out. But I was, it's something I was used to because most of the, my career, again, I was basically traveling and I just felt this void that I didn't want to do it anymore. But more importantly, I really, be, I'm not sure if, if you understand this, Nicole, but being in the corporate world, it's a rat race yeah. and you constantly, I constantly ha- had to feel like I had to be tougher and tougher with each you know, every path that I took, I had to be tougher as a person. And I I started to feel that within, I didn't really like the person I was becoming Mm. just to keep up with the race. Mm -hmm. And truly, you know, I'm a very creative person. I've always been very creative. And I felt like it was taking me away from that, that softer, gentler side of myself, because I wanted, I was so accustomed to this rat race and I wanted to be better. I wanted to be the best. And became, I started to become someone I really didn't like. And I think that's where internally I was struggling with myself. Do I stay in this corporate world that I have known for 20 plus years and because the money was so good? Mm-hmm. Or do I take a step back? And that step back of trying to figure out what what is that step back was really scary. Well, and I think that there are probably, you're probably speaking to the heart of a lot of people who say, boy, I would love to jump ship and do something else and get back to the me that I used to know. But mm-hmm. what really, what really like instigated that change that said, this is it, I'm doing it? You know, it, it, it was coming to the point where I was burnt out from being on the road so much. I was just, I was hitting a wall and it, it really got to the point where I was becoming, you know, when you know that you're not on the right path is when you become just not a nice person. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know that genuinely you're, naturally you're a nice person, but you were becoming not a nice person. So what did you do to make the change? Where'd you go? 
I, I did, I was, the funny thing is it was more of, I, I started looking for work up in Orange County, which is where this all, you know, t- two years ago I was up in Orange County. I was starting to look for work and the doors kept closing and it was, and I, I'm not the type of person where I don't get a job because usually I walk into a, a, an interview and I get the job, but it was the strangest thing. I was, it was, it was a miss every time. And even if I've got, if I was narrowed down to the second or the third interview, I was missing that job offer. And it got to the point where I said to myself, all right, maybe this is a sign that this is not the right place for me anymore. Orange County was not the right place. And I knew I had always wanted to go back home because I'm very close to my family and I grew up in San Diego County. And I thought, this is, this is, this must be the time. This must be the time to relocate down back down to San Diego. But I was fighting the idea because it was almost, it was like, do I leave behind the money that I know so, that, that I had worked so hard for because, or do I take a completely different path and let just fate take me where I'm supposed to go? Ooh, that's a scary jump. I feel it was, like. It was a very scary jump. Oh. I literally, it was a scary jump because in the end, when I did finally, the funny thing is when I finally made that decision, I sold my home. I didn't have a job. I said, I'm just going to sell my home. I'll go back home. And when I go back home, I'll figure it out. And within a week, I had a job offer oh. down in the area where I was, I, that I had made my intention to move. Was it a job and in the same field? It was a job in the same field. And it's a field that I didn't want to, but I knew it in my mind. I said to myself, I know this job is brought to, was brought to me so that I would have peace knowing that everything is going to be fine. But in my mind and in my spirit, I knew it was a transitional job. Okay. It was a job that I knew, you know what, let's go back down there. This is the job that's going to help pay the bills, pay the mortgages. And then I'll worry about once I get settled, then I'll think about where I want to go next. Mm-hmm. And, and what do I really want to do next? And is it that, was it at that point that something just happened to you on the beach? It was, it was, it was two, it was once I moved down there and I found a place close to the water, I was within less than a mile to the water and I, I would go to the beach every day. And the funny thing is I'm, I was never a beach person. I would stay clear from the beach. It was just not my thing. <laughs> As a girl in Ohio, I can't understand that. <laughs> And I grew up in California. I've always been close to the water, but it was never my thing. And so I found myself down there because I was so close. And I think it was more more than anything, Nicole. It was more of going down there to actually to get it. I look back now. I realize why I was drawn. I was going down there to get healed. Mm-hmm. I was going down there to to just know that. I took a $50,000 pay cut in my, my salary mm-hmm. and that everything was going to be okay and that I made the right decision. It was going down there to do meditation, to do prayer. And, and that was my time of just having that moment in the morning because I'm a very early riser. I would go down there and just find just peace, just being there by myself. And it was when I would walk back and forth for probably about, it was about five months later. It was five months later was when I finally came across my first heart rock. I'm like, oh, my God, it's my lucky day. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, the next day I would go down there. I'm like, this is really strange. 
I'm having another lucky day <laughs> because I found another heart rock. And two, sometimes two, two at a time, sometimes six at a time. And I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm having a lot of lucky days. And I would, I would pass a lot of the regular locals and I would ask them, do you see all these heart rocks? And they would look at me dumbfounded. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, these heart rocks, do you see them? And they would admit to me that they have lived there for years, sometimes 15 or 20 years, not a single heart rock. And here I am, I've only moved down there at that time, five months, and I find I would go home and I'm just, I'm just hoarding heart rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see your kitchen table. <laughs> oh, no, you should see. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> And the windowsills and, you know. <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. And I've just collected them and collected them. And it, 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 it's, it's come to a point where I know I say I have more than 300. I know it's got to be up there upwards of 500 now. Wow. But I'm, and people don't believe me when I, then I pull my pocket and I show it to them. And it's, it's a lovely hard rock. And I would say to them that I would say to the locals, I'm finding all these hard rocks. And the locals would tell me that, no, Tway. We think they're finding you. Aww. Yeah, that's when they, that's when I think when I heard that for the first time, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and then, oh, go hmm. on, you go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just insane. Then after showing my friends and the locals the all the hard rocks, they and I'm also a photographer, and they they said, Tway, you need to you need to capture these these spirits and and these souls of these hard rocks in their in in nature and and make a book of it make a coffee table book of them and i'm like hey why not so i would bring the heart rocks back down to the water (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have a little red wagon you pull around (laughs) i would i used i'm not you know i I, i'm I'm a hiker i would pack my backpack with the heart rocks walk down to the beach I would lay them out, find a beautiful spot for them, take photos of them. Some heart rocks, I tell you, Nicole, some are not photogenic. <laughs> they some don't are. want I their picture that taken. The hard way. <laughs> I would be there with the heart rocks like 30 minutes later, and I can't find the perfect angle for them. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their little personalities for you. They I do. love that. They do. They do. So. Today, I, I so I decided to, to create a heart, a heart rock uh, book, photo coffee table book, and uh, to personalize each of the uh, the pages because at first I actually wanted to in, in include quotes, powerful quotes with each of the uh, the photos, mm-hmm. and then I realized I had to get all these these permissions, and I was thinking to myself that's going to take a, a while because I I was dead set on having eighty one photos. I love the neighborhood number 81, so I was dead set on having 81. And so I was thinking to myself, this is going to be quite a challenge trying to get permissions to use 81 quotes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I met a, a gentleman, uh, a young gentleman at one of the bookstores, and I was sharing him my journey. And he says, Tway, why don't you mimic the humans of New York? And Nicole, do you know about that book? Yeah, but share it with our listeners. Oh, sure, sure. I, I, from what I understand, it was it's basically it, is it a trader, a stock trader, or I'm not quite sure what his profession is. But he would ride the um, the subways, or he would walk the streets of New York, and this is right after 9/11. And he would try to approach people and try to have conversations with them. And he would just realize that they were so shut down; they just mm-hmm. did not want to to communicate. 
And in a way to actually reach out to them, he would take photographs of them. And not only just the photographs, to also try to get them to open up to him. He would actually ask them certain questions and and certain questions he would actually quote them their stories or their quotes inside the book. And so it, it truly personalized the, their, their photos and, and the book. And so what I took with that story, with that what he had shared with me, the young gentleman, and then I turned around and decided that with each of the photos in the book that I'm creating, that I would actually ask each person uh, when they're contributing a story to actually think about a moment in time where they either have gave or received kindness mm-hmm. and to reflect back to an experience that deeply touched their, their heart, uh, an experience that they cherish to this day. And that, that is the story that I would love to, to include inside the book. So each of those, are you still staying with the number 81 that each of one? Of I those? am staying with 81. Okay. Mm-hmm. And each of those 81 Photos Stories. will have a story with it. Correct. Mm-hmm. That belongs from belongs to someone somewhere in the world. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. I'm halfway there. Oh, and, and I've only been on this journey a month and a half. So I'm I've had some really amazing, compelling stories that I would sit and I just I'm such a sap because I would sit and just cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like having the most interesting email inbox ever, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 Why the number eighty one, Tway? I have always, I've always been drawn to the number nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe the number nine is completion. I'm not sure. I think someone had mentioned that to me one time and I didn't even know what the number, the significance of number nine, but I've always was attracted to the number nine since I was a little girl. And I, so a lot of my work, anytime I do anything, if I had to, it has to do with numbers, I always try to make sure it adds up with the nine by the time I'm finished. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to our conversation with Tway in a moment. But first, today's Kindness Call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, this is Heidi Steinley. I am from Forest Lake, Minnesota. Nicole, I've been meaning to reach out to you to share a story for a while. I went to school at NDSU and MSUM and am now a speech pathologist in the Twin Cities. I knew of fall coaching at SU and had seen your column in the forum. Fast forward to this last fall. I have two daughters, Julia in fourth grade and Greta, a first grader. Over the last two years, Julia has had friend issues. They are in a partial Spanish immersion STEM school, which is awesome, but because there is only one class of each grade, they are in the same class with the same kids every year. In my eyes, this has contributed to cliques being formed. So Julia has been close friends in this group of four girls since kindergarten, but as expected, tension arises. One of her friends, who has been her quote-unquote best friend since kindergarten, is very manipulative and does her best to turn others against Julia when she doesn't get her way, including making up lies about Julia. We have always tried to empower Julia to be the bigger person, do what is right, walk away, etc. And as hard as that is, she has done a great job and her teachers agree. Usually it tends to be the biggest struggle toward the end of the school year, and summer break is a good remedy. But two weeks into fourth grade last fall, it was in full force. So we involved her teachers and counselor about a month into the school year. During this time, I was talking to a good friend and coworker, Carly Wagner, about this, and she told me about your Kindness is Contagious book and that she sometimes reads stories from it with Everly and suggested that Julia might like it. So I ordered your book, and Julia has been in love. So have I. We read from it almost every night and are almost done with it, and Julia can't wait to get your next one. 
So since last fall, Julia has been trying to do a daily act of kindness and challenging me and my husband to as well, and we report daily. Then on her own, she had the idea to start a kindness club at school. And who did she focus on? The friend who has been her biggest adversary. How amazing. She was quickly discouraged that it didn't take off the way she had hoped, but I just kept encouraging her not to give up and that it doesn't have to be a big club. Just keep it up. I decided to reach out to her teacher to let her know what Julia is trying to do and just suggested that maybe the counselor could help tap into Julia's strength and passion to help get something going. They have a brand new school counselor this year. Her teacher's response, I would love to be the one to come alongside Julia to spread kindness. This teacher, Mrs. W, is just amazing. Though no formal kindness club has hit the ground running, I see evidence frequently during the week based on comments that Mrs. W is helping her with focused and intentional kindness and Julia's relationships have improved and or she is establishing other healthy relationships. I'm so grateful for Carly sharing about your book and the ripple effect it has had. Julia also loves that you have a connection to NDSU as we love to follow NDSU sports. Thank you again, Nicole. Heidi Steinle. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. You mentioned that you started seeing more heart rocks once you saw the first one and became aware of the first one. It was like this this journey. Do you feel like it's the same way on a broader scale with kindness in your life that once you started searching out these stories of kindness that you began to notice them more? No, absolutely. Because it's funny because I, I have challenged folks to when they contribute, they I, I would challenge my friends and strangers. I said, think about this moment of kindness. And, and I would go through this exercise with them. It was funny because they would always give me at first, initially people would give me this look like, mm, I don't know if I have one. Let me think about it. I'm like, oh, everyone has one. And the funny thing is, I didn't even have a story mm. when I first started the story with this journey. And I thought to myself, what would my story be? And I thought about it and I was really, and I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even think of a story. And it wasn't until, but I thought I kept, I kept it in the back of my mind because for three days, it wasn't until the third day that I kept thinking, what is my story? I can't believe I can't, I can't find a story. And then it hit me on the third day what my story was. And then when I realized what my story was, and then when it came to me, then you re- then it was funny because it almost opened this floodgate mm-hmm. of just, then I started thinking about all the kindness that came to me in my life, big or small. It just, it floods me. And then every day I'm thinking of something kind, or I, I watch, I, I observe something kind and I pause to watch it and observe it. And it, it just, it's almost like it's easy for a person to think about something negative in their life. Truly. It's just, yes. this is just the way we're wired. Yep. But then when you, when you have to, sh- when you shift, you make that little shift to start to think about kindness and the kind things that you do personally and, or the things that you actually, are, uh, others offer to you in terms of kindness. It's, I feel like it's, it's just, you're almost like a magnet for it mm-hmm. to come into your life. And I feel like you just gave us a really great action step, a really great practical call to action to to lead more with more kindness in your life in the fact that identify for yourself one act of kindness that mattered to you at some point in your life. Like really mm-hmm. relive it and refeel it. Toy, would you share with us what your kindness story is? Sure, absolutely. I had when I was 
probably in my mid thirties, I went to Costa Rica. It was very hot time. I can't remember when it was, but I, I came back. I was there for 10 days. I came back and I had beautiful skin and flawless skin prior to the trip. And when I returned to Costa Rica, I had full blown melasma. I, do you know what that is? Nicole? No. What is melasma? Oh. Melasma is, it's a, it's a dark skin pigmentation. Sometimes they, they call it the pregnancy mask. Okay. And that women, when their estrogen level changes, they have like, if you can just think of a birthmark, it looks like a birthmark on somebody's face, like cheekbones. It could be as small as maybe as small as uh, an inch around, or it could cover the entire cheekbone and face and forehead. Okay. And yep. it's just a huge birthmark. It looks like it, but it's not. It's actually melasma. It's this dark skin pigmentation. I was completely in shock because I was thinking, myself. I just went to Costa Rica, came back. I have melasma. I don't understand what's going on. I went to see a dermatologist. To, to I did not know what it was at the time. And so when I went to the dermatologist, he says, you have melasma. And I'm like, how is that possible? I just went to Costa Rica. I came back. He says, sometimes... Um, your estrogen level can change and the being in, in sun, like as, as harsh as that of Costa Rica, it basically brought it to the surface and just exasperated it in just that short amount of time. And he said, I'm sorry, but there's no treatment. And if you can imagine when you're growing up and you have just flawless skin you come back from a trip and you just have now this birthmark. I had birthmark, a birthmark on both of my cheekbone. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that I remember just crying and crying because I was, it, there was nothing. I tried a skin pill. I tried laser. Anything that was on the market, I tried. Mm-hmm. And I was just so stressed out about it. I had lost 10 pounds. And for my weight, I'm, a very, I'm pretty petite. And for my size and weight that just, I, I probably looked anorexic at that time because of how much weight I'd lost. But it was, I was just, I was spent, I spent a lot of time crying and just agonizing how I'm going to get rid of this because there was no treatment. And it wasn't until uh, one day I was in prayer and meditation. I was just praying that lead me to someone or, 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 or lead someone to me to help me find a treatment for this. And it was, it was, I, I, I had melasma for four months and then I got to a point where I just started praying and it wasn't until the next day I went to the gym and this, when I went to the gym, there was this woman and she was in all in black, really, really short, petite woman. And, and she was, I, I realized after a while she was following me around the gym. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was thinking of myself. I'm like, I know this is not in my imagination because I know she's following me. She's only, she always kept a safe distance. And it wasn't until I went to the, the locker room and I was in the locker room getting ready. It, by this time, everyone had cleared out of the locker room and it's just me and her. And she's sitting behind me. I'm in the, in the mirror trying to put makeup on. She started walking towards me. And I, 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 I got to tell you, I started getting a little bit of panic mode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She comes up to me and she, and she pulls back her hoodie and she says to me, do you speak Spanish? And I said, no, I don't. And do you, and I said, and she says, well, I'm going to try to speak uh, English to the best of my abilities. And I said, okay. 
And she points to my cheekbones. And I'm like, oh, no, it's melasma. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, it's melasma. And she says, oh, no, I know. And I'm looking at her skin, flawless, beautiful baby skin. But I could tell she was probably about mm, probably 15 to 20 years older than me. She says, I know what it is because, and by this time we are talking with hand gestures because that's the, that's, we, we ha- that's how we started communicating because she didn't speak English well, mm-hmm. and nor did I speak Spanish. She says, Tway, I, I had that when I was in my teenage years, and I, I didn't believe her because she completely flawless skin. And she says, Tway, the, I, I used to have that when I was in my teenage years until I went back to Mexico to visit my aunt. And when I was there, she gave me one product that helped me to remove melasma. And of course, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm like, and? <laughs> right. What's it called? Is it on Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> Would you believe it? She says Nivea. Oh, <laughs> which is just a lotion that you can get at, you know, yes. Walmart. Yes. I said, Nivea? And I'm, my hands are like with this round thing with my hands. I'm like blue jar, white letters. She said, yes. I'm like, no way. She says, yes. I'm like, Nivea? And she said, yes. And I was, oh, my God. And she said, she gave me instructions on how to use it. She said, you will start to see change in your melasma within one and a half to two months. And I have to tell you, Nicole, I ran out bought the largest jar I could find, (laughs) (laughs) two jars that I could find. And sure enough, one and a half months later, it was, it it started lightening up. Something that the dermatologist will tell you that it's very, it doesn't have a treatment for. Mm. And, and the reason I think about that moment in kindness, because I personally have after being healed from the melasma and that day truly she healed both just not only me physically but also just emotionally and spiritually Mm -hmm. is that well after being healed myself and when I I'm in public and I see other women and men that have melasma I know exactly what she was going through because what happens is it's a very it's a very tender subject that you want to approach somebody because you don't know if they've gotten to the point where they just accepted it right and they don't want to be bothered or do you or do you or do you sense that oh you know what they want to know they might want to know so i find myself doing the same thing she did i would hover around people <laughs> as if stalking them <laughs> <laughs> trying to edge up closer trying to figure out a, a right time to actually approach them and then breaking down that wall a barrier of I used to have that. Let me let me suggest a product for you. It may help you, and then and then letting it letting it go. Right, right. And so she did such a kind thing because, I'm because number one, more so than that, she didn't even speak English. Right, and she's talking to a stranger. Very courageous. And she's talking, yes, and for her to hover. And didn't give up on me because I was in the gym for a long time until I would actually make it to the, the locker room. And she made sure that everybody cleared out of that locker room to give me my personal space so that she could approach me. Privately. And so that I wasn't going to be embarrassed by it because I was personally already struggling with it inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, I feel like um, I feel like you need to carry around uh, jars of I do. Nivea. I do. 
And with your heart rocks, maybe you can like tape them together and give them to people as little gifts, right? <laughs> I had I had little travel jars to, to of Nivea to folks that have a, a melasma. That's beautiful. Isn't that interesting? Like kindness comes in all of these different ways. It's like you either talk about holding the door open or paying for somebody at a restaurant and then it and then something happens personally to you and then that becomes your kindness mission. That's super cool, Tway. Super cool. I did, yeah. So I had to think about that for a while, but it came to me on the third day. If we have listeners who are interested in contributing to your book, what are you looking for with the story? Uh, 500 words or less. And if, if, if anyone is, uh, happens to write more, that's fine because I also have an editor that actually will help me, an amazing editor that will help to refine the story. And it's more important just to, if people just want to just type in any form that they like, and I can always be in touch with them to actually ask more questions, more clarifying questions in order to really get their story, either really down to the meat of the, the, the meaning of the, the kindness Mm -hmm. and it again it's just about if they can think back to a moment in time where they gave or received kindness uh, basically an an experience where it deeply touched them and something that they cherish to this day and that truly has impacted them and i hope everyone listening whether they want to send in a story or not i hope all of you listening will will just identify that moment for yourself because that's a life-changing moment when we can hold on to that and remember that Hey, Toy, before I let you go, can you tell me where would you like people to send their stories? They can email it to me at uh, twaisel at gmail.com. So, Nicole, I'm not sure if you have that on your website. We will put it on there for sure. Okay. That'd be perfect. All right. It's T-W-A-Y-Z-Z-E-L at gmail.com. Perfect. Toy, thank you so much for this project. It's going to be so cool. I can't wait to have it sitting on my own coffee table. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Adam. That was a conversation with Tway Huynh. You can submit your story of kindness to Tway through email at T-W-A-Y-Z-Z-E-L at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. Thank you.